0: Good morning. Good morning. Today we join in the proclamation of God's word by reading together the account of Christ's resurrection as it comes to us through Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses one through eight. I invite you to follow along in your own Bible with the words printed in your bulletin or projected before you on the screens. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they had nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The grass grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever.
1: Will you pray with me? O God of the resurrection, thank you for bringing us together here today that we may celebrate the life of your son. We pray that this morning that your truth will burst forth from your word just as he came from the tomb and changed not only our lives, but the world forever and ever. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. I have just got to tell you before we begin this morning, how great it is to be back in person in church for Easter. This is absolutely fantastic. Will you say it with me? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Okay, sorry, I'll say Christ is risen. You say he is risen indeed. <laughs> sorry, thought we practiced that earlier. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Amen. Do you remember last year when we were doing this? Last year, I was standing at a pulpit right down here on the floor, preaching to my phone. And I would say, Christ is risen. And then I would have to go, one Mississippi, two Mississippi and hope that you were saying it to your phone, iPad, TV, whatever it was. But we're back today and I mean, look at the lilies, look at the church, look at one another. This is so wonderful. There've been so many people over the last few days over Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, who said this is the first time that I've been back in the church in a year and that is so invigorating. But you know what the, the thing that I hear from more people than anything else is? Hey, we got new floors. Did you notice that when we came in? We've not been just sitting around idle. There's been a lot going on, and I know that that many of you have seen this all happening on video, but but the church is alive, but, but today it just feels like the church is reborn. To see something dormant for so long come alive again, that is resurrection. And we are so glad to all be gathered here today to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know that one of the reasons that we're able to come back together like this is because of the proliferation of the various vaccines of COVID-19. And as more and more people get the vaccine, confidence rises and people reconnect and fear starves. You know, a week ago Friday, Morgan and I were standing in a line to get our first vaccine shot. And it seemed like that, that line was 20 miles long. When we finally got to the door of the building, I thought we had arrived. I was like, yes, finally we're here. Then I discovered that the line was just beginning. It weaved throughout that building, the the UT Health School of Nursing, for probably just as long as it was outside. But you know what? It was clear that I and everybody else in that long line shared a common belief that the vaccine was worth it. It was worth the wait. It was worth the trouble of signing up for an appointment. It was worth the long lines. When a friend told me that he could get me in for a COVID vaccination, it was like I won the lottery. Not necessarily because I've been overly worried about the disease itself, but because I know that it is opening things up for people. People are starting to, again, reconnect. It means that we can go and be with people. It doesn't just protect you. It sets us free. It allows us to get together, to go and to live and to be and to serve together. And that is what is so beautiful about coming together today. But I want to say, as beautiful as that is, as exciting as that is, this morning we are here to declare something far better than the vaccine. We are here to declare that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ has saved us and set us free. Amen? Amen. This morning we heard the story of Easter as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. Hunter, thank you for reading that for us. Now of the four Gospels, Mark's version of the Easter story is the shortest and most simple. It has the fewest details and seems almost, almost stingy in what it tells us about that resurrection morning. Mark doesn't seem to care about the soldiers or the disciples running to the tomb. There's no explanation of how the stone was rolled away and no description of the grave clothes. And it's not that those details aren't important, but Mark was frugal because he wanted his readers to focus on two announcements. The first announcement was that Jesus is alive. The second announcement is that we have an appointment with him. Jesus is alive and that we have an appointment with him. So the first announcement was that Jesus is alive. To the women who came to the tomb that morning, it was the most incredible, unbelievable news that they could hear. I mean, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was raised from the dead, really, literally, bodily, actually. And I can't even begin to imagine what the women were feeling at that moment, a mix of personal joy and fractured reality. But I can't imagine that when they heard that Jesus was alive, everything that they thought or believed, not only about Jesus, but about the world, changed. For weeks, Jesus had laid out the Passover plan. He had been telling them in amazing detail that the Son of Man will be rejected tortured, betrayed, and killed. But on the third day, he said, I will rise from the dead. And so far, all of that had come true. It came to pass just as Jesus said it would. Now, they had seen Jesus do amazing things. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him heal the sick and bring the lame to their feet. They'd seen him cast out demons. They had even seen him bring other people back to life. But to rise from the dead himself, now that would be something. He said it, and he did it. And if he could do that, then the Roman centurion standing at the foot of the cross was right. Truly this man was the son of God even though it was incredible, unbelievable news. The bodily resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth is a credible historical fact. It really happened. The evidence is solid. The tomb was empty and nobody could produce a body. There were hundreds of witnesses, from two to 500 at a time, who saw the risen Christ and their testimony was acknowledged by Christians and non-Christians alike. The disciples were willing to stake their lives on it. And they were so sure that the resurrection of Jesus was no hoax that they tirelessly proclaimed his rising in the face of ridicule and persecution and death. The fact is that he is risen. This really happened. And if it really happened, then it proves several things. It proves that God is real. If Christ is alive, then God is real. And that means that we are not alone and our hope is real. Right now, people all over the world are praying, praying for healing, praying for hope, praying for peace. And if Christ is alive, that means that those prayers are not wasted breath. But the resurrection also proves that God loves us. The cross shows us how far Jesus was willing to go to prove that God loves us. So, whatever reasons or whatever excuses you may have for thinking that God does not love you or that God does not want you, those reasons are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 8 says, The proof of God's amazing love, I'm gonna insert the words for you, the words, uh, the proof of God's amazing love for you is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The resurrection proves that God can be trusted. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus put his life in God's hands. And on Easter morning, God proved that he's trustworthy. And finally, the bodily resurrection of Jesus proves that God has the power to make a difference in our lives now and forever. Because the resurrection proved that he is more powerful than political corruption or injustice it proved that he is more powerful than satan and it also proved that he is more powerful than death you know we don't have to be afraid of death because god has robbed it of its finality it is now a temporary condition god has proved that everything that death can take away, God can give back. That means that everything that disease can take away, God can give back. Everything that war can take away, everything that poverty can take away, God can give back. And for a year, we have been living in the fear of death. Oh sure, we have tried to mitigate that fear, we have quarantined, we've washed our hands, we've stopped touching our faces. We've shut down our cities, we've kept our distance, we've worn masks, we've isolated ourselves from our loved ones, but people still got sick and died, didn't they? And even though the vaccines are giving us a new level of hope, people are still getting sick and they're still going to die. And so that fear of death still haunts us. We are haunted by the anxieties of mortality We're haunted by the fears for the future, our fears for the future, our fears of loss, our fears of pain, of vulnerability and weakness. We're haunted by our fears of failure. And every one of those fears, every one of those mortality related fears is like a little death. It takes a little piece of our lives every day. It suffocates us and it steals our joy. And just think about it. What has this fear done to us over the last year? I mean, maybe we don't think about death every day, but this pandemic has exposed the grip with which this fear of death squeezes our lives and our culture. It has made us anxious. It has made us depressed. It has made us behave badly. It has made us hostile and rude, doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily do and saying things that we would never say under better conditions. It has divided us and it has poisoned relationships. But the resurrection proves that everything that death can take away, God can give back. Everything that failure can take away, God can give back. Everything that fear or sin or temptation or crime or loneliness or politics or the economy or addiction or abuse can take away. Everything that injustice and corruption and even COVID can take away, God can give back. Jesus trusted his father so much that he trusted him with his life, even when the plan was that he would die. The best news that we could ever hear is that the God who loves us can restore anything that the world Takes away. Anything the world takes, God can give back. And so the first announcement of Easter was that Jesus is alive, that Christ is risen. But that wasn't the only announcement. The second announcement was that Jesus was waiting for them in Galilee. The messenger at the tomb told them, You have an appointment with the Lord. He is alive, and he is waiting for you. On the night before he died, Jesus told the disciples, after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then on Easter morning, the women were told, he is risen, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. What this means is that Jesus is not just alive in your hearts. He's not just alive in your minds. He's not just alive in spirit. Jesus did not tell the disciples that after his crucifixion, he would meet them in heaven. He said, meet me in Galilee. This is a declaration that he is alive, flesh and blood in this world, in real time. And it is a summons for them to meet Christ in this world, in this life. The messenger was telling Jesus, as it was telling them, excuse me, Jesus is alive. But if you want to see him, you're going to have to follow him and go where he is. You can't stay here. You're going to have to meet him in the place where he began his ministry. That means that if you want to find Jesus, you're going to have to look for him among the sick, among the lost, among the broken, among the outcast, among the dispossessed and the demon-possessed. You'll find him on the edges of civilization preaching the kingdom of God, calling people to faith and repentance. Jesus was saying, if you want to find me, You know where I'll be. I will be with the people that I came to save. And where he is, you will find life and freedom. The Lord was challenging them to make a real world step of faith. Galilee was the place where it all started. Where the disciples first met Jesus And where they had first seen Jesus do his amazing work. And so the call to Galilee was a call to meet Jesus anew and to join him as he changes the world. Jesus was making a real-world, real-time challenge. And Jesus is right now in the hearing of his word calling us to make a real-world, real-time step of faith. All of you all know, or many of you all know at this point that we are celebrating our 175th anniversary of ministry as a church. 175 years ago, Pastor John McCullough and a little group of Christians heard the call of Jesus to make a real world, real time step of faith. 175 years ago, Pastor John McCullough and a little group of Presbyterians left Columbia, Texas for San Antonio. Now San Antonio, as you've heard me say before, was a town of gamblers, desperados, houses of ill repute, saloons, you know, everything that you would want in a good Wild West movie. <laughs> McCullough himself described it as a dilapidated town of, quote, semi-barbarism, Unquote. But they decided they were going to San Antonio to start a church because San Antonio was a town that needed Jesus. And they believed that they had an appointment with the Lord and a mission to fulfill in San Antonio. And so here's the cool thing. On this day, April 4th, 1846, 175 years ago to the day, The Presbyterian Church, the the Brazos Presbytery, chartered this little group of people, of Christians, as the Presbyterian Church of San Antonio. 100, you can clap for that, that's good. (laughs) 175 years to the day. He chartered this church. Now, it was again, it was called the, the Church of San Antonio. That's because there wasn't yet another Presbyterian church in San Antonio. We didn't become the first till there was another one. But how exciting is that? The charter said this. They were to form a church to promote their own spiritual welfare and usefulness. That is, that they were to form a church for their own good and His kingdom glory. They didn't know what the Lord had in store for them when they got here. But they did know that Jesus is alive and that he had a mission for them in San Antonio. The point is that the good news that Jesus Jesus is alive is not just for us. This is good news that we are supposed to share. And you know what? This is a message that people desperately need to hear. Just this week, the Gallup organization released a report that for the first time in American history, only 50% of Americans claim that they are connected to a faith community. Now that includes churches, mosques, and synagogues, any kind of institutional faith community. So actually, that means that less than 50% are connected to a church. Less than 50% of Americans claim that they are connected to a church community of any kind. So what does that mean? That means that at least 50% are not. That is an all time low. That means that millions of people are living and dying through this pandemic, through this economic uncertainty, through this political environment with only the hope that they can gin up for themselves or that they hope to glean from the government. And so let me ask you, is it any wonder that at the same time, the levels of mental illness and depression, anxiety, addiction, abuse, and suicide are at an all-time high? Does it seem to you right now that we need more Jesus or less Jesus? More truth or less truth? More compassion or less compassion? More good news or less? So here we are in this situation. But then comes Easter. At this critical moment comes Easter. And you know what? The 50% of us who are here have this morning heard the good news that Jesus Christ is alive. We have heard the good news of hope. Sadly, because of these statistics, we know that there will be fewer people in church today to hear the message than ever before. But 50% of us have heard it. So what do we do with that? One of my favorite quotes by our late beloved pastor, Dr. Lewis Zabenden, was this one. He once said that there are still people in San Antonio and God still loves them. And so what that means Is that we, this 50%, need to go to the other 50% and tell them that Jesus is alive, tell them that Christ is risen and that death has lost its sting and that he can change their lives now and forever. Here's my question. Do we, do we, this 50% care about that 50%? Enough to go to Galilee. 175 years ago, God sent that little group of Christians to fill San Antonio with the good news hope of Jesus Christ. Where is God sending us 175 years later today? Under the bridge? To your office? To your school? To your neighborhood? To your family? To the house next door? Where is God sending you? Where's your Galilee? After a season of fear, our mission is to declare that Jesus is alive. Our mission is to seek and to lo- seek the lost and heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, to call people to repentance and welcome people into the kingdom of God. Our mission is to declare that God is real, that he cares, that he can make a difference in your life now and forever, and that Christ is risen. You know, I love how excited everybody gets about the vaccine. I hear people telling all the time, telling other people how they can get an appointment, how they can sign up for the vaccine. And that's awesome. I love to see the cooperation. I love to see the enthusiasm. I love to hear the excitement. But 50% hear something that we have that's even better. The vaccine will mean the end of endless Zoom meetings and isolation and travel restrictions and masks. But the resurrection means an end to oblivion. And it is better. The vaccine will save you from one disease, COVID-19. Jesus Christ will change your life and the lives of those you love now and forever. Isn't that better? Isn't that worth telling the other 50%? Now, there may be some of you in here who, find yourself in church for the first time ever on Sunday morning in your life. You're not exactly sure why you're here, but I can tell you it's no accident. And I want you to know that if you have never heard this story, if you've never heard this call before, that through the reading of this story, Jesus Christ is calling you to make that first step of faith. He's calling you to confess your sins and trust him as your Savior and Lord. He's calling you to give your life to him and to know that he's real and to know that he loves you, to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life and that he can make a difference in your life now and forever. You're not here by accident and he's calling you. And if you're already his disciple, if you're already part of that 50% that is connected here today already, then you have an appointment with Jesus. Not here, but in Galilee, somewhere out there on the fringes. Jesus wants you to join him in his mission. And the gospel not only sets us free, saves us, but it sets us free to carry out that mission. And so don't wait any longer. Believe that Christ is risen. Trust God with your life. And then go where he is going. Because Jesus is alive. And he is waiting for you. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you today because we need to hear once again the proclaimed truth that you are alive, that Christ is risen, and that death is finished. Death is no longer permanent. It has lost its finality, its sting. But, Lord, we also come here today perhaps not expecting but feeling the call to join you in your mission. Lord, help us to have the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the zeal and the enthusiasm to spread the everlasting good news of Jesus Christ to this world that so desperately needs to hear it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us.